0: Good afternoon. It is good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen? Let's bow our heads and pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we, uh, we do worship you in song. We want to continue worshiping you with our giving and uh, tithes and offerings, and we want to, Lord, we want to seek first the kingdom of heaven. And you will supply all of our needs according to the riches of your glory. And so we honor you with the first fruits. We honor you first and foremost. And I thank you, Lord, for your people. I thank you that this is an expression of our love, our adoration, our worship. We pray that you would use it for the furthering of the gospel. Um, And all of the good things that are going on, Lord, a variety of ministries, uh, not only here locally and domestically and with our youth and outreach here in our community, but in the missions that we have been involved in. And and we thank you for all of our brothers and sisters and the families and the couples and the individuals that are in other countries around the world uh, serving you loyally and faithfully. And we welcome all of them as they uh, join us in this service now, as well as everyone that is online. So now we pray that we might hear what the Spirit would say to our hearts. Today is a special day. We are remembering, commemorating, uh, honoring you of what you did for us on Friday, 2,000 some years ago on the cross for our eternal redemption. And we want to remember you and and thank you and then have communion and fellowship with you, Lord, together here this day. And we look forward to the glorious resurrection, Lord, preaching the gospel, the good news that you are alive, you are risen, you've been risen from the dead for over 2,000 years, and that you are coming back, our King of kings and Lord of lords. So we pray, thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Okay, so here's what I, you know, this is what we have been doing now for a number of years. Why on a Friday? Why in the middle of the day at 12 noon? What we'd like to do is kind of reenact a Friday 2,000 years ago. So by reenacting, I'm gonna kind of be describing it as what just took place last night. Uh, With Jesus, so if you have a Bible you can open it to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 26 What happened during Jesus last hours before his death so Matthew chapter 26 and? beginning in verse 26 It says and as they were eating so Jesus had gathered his disciples together for a meal then Jesus and, and it was Passover And they're having the Passover, and Jesus is sharing it. We often call it the Last Supper, or really, more importantly, the Lord's Supper. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and he blessed and broke it, and gave it to the disciples, and said, take, eat, this is my body. And then he took the cup, and he gave thanks, and he gave it to them, saying, drink from it, all of you. For this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until the day when I drink it new with you in my father's kingdom. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. So basically, we're remembering that last night, Jesus and the disciples uh, got together, they were having a meal, they're remembering Passover, and during the Passover meal, Jesus took bread and he broke it and he said, now I want you to take this bread and eat it because this is my body which is broken for you. He took a cup of wine, there are in a Passover meal four cups of wine, we believe it was called the cup of redemption. And he said, this is now drink, this is my blood, which is about ready to be shed for the remission of your sins. And then at the end of that Passover meal, so kind of what we now are going to share communion is a Passover meal, it's the heart of the Passover meal. And then he, they all sang a hymn, and then they went out into the night, of, it would have been a full moon. They would have walked maybe from the area of uh, the upper room area, Mount Zion area, down the Kidron Valley and up to the Mount of Olives, and there to go to a garden called the Garden of Gethsemane. And Jesus left uh, the majority of his disciples. You know, you guys stay here, but hey, Peter, James, and John, you come with me. And he went deeper into the Garden of Gethsemane. And he asked Peter and James and John, pray with me. And during that time he began to grieve and he began to sorrow and he began to he got on his knees and he's really praying. Now, sadly, when he and he did not want to be alone because Jesus knew what is now coming. Tomorrow I am going to be lifted up on the cross as the Lamb of God. And he's wrestling in prayer with is this really the only way that man can be saved? And While he is there and he's on his knees and he's crying out to the father and praying what happens to Peter James and John? They fall asleep They and they fell then he came and he woke them up and he goes guys I need you pray with me the spirit is willing the flesh is weak and He left them and went back to pray the next time sweating great drops of blood he was in so much duress last night that he began literally sweating, so already he's emotional, distressed, uh, grieving, sorrowful, and praying that this cup may pass. And again, the second time, Peter, James, and John fall asleep. Uh, You know, they'd had a nice meal that evening, they'd had four cups of wine in the Passover meal, they go out into the cool air of Jerusalem, there's a full moon, They nestled against a rock. The next thing you know, they were asleep. But Jesus was praying and praying in agony. And literally in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 22, verse 44, it says, And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. And then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling to the ground. So it wasn't just a little bit of blood, but... Luke, by the way, one of the four gospel writers whose background was, he was a doctor, and he asked the questions and then was able to give the testimony. He was great drops of blood were falling down to the ground. And Jesus was reaching out to them to say, pray with me. Don't let me be alone in this hour. Now I want to ask this question, what was so disturbing to Jesus, what was so upsetting and immediately we would think of, oh, he knows about, you know, the crucifixion and the pain and the suffering and the physical agony, but I want to suggest to you that's not exactly, that's not what made him sweat great drops of blood. What was going on in Jesus' mind was the reality that he was eternal, he was from the Father, And he had now incarnated miraculously from the realm of heaven with his Father into this world, and now he was to be made sin, him who knew no sin. It was the weight of bearing the sins of all humanity and the anticipation of carrying that weight that far outweighed even the very real physical agony that he would go through. It's interesting, Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 27, verse 46, says, And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which being translated is, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And I want to explain what, what, what's going on there Jesus had already crossed over into representing you, representing me. That's the whole point of Passover is, God didn't want the firstborn son to die, but he said the death angel is going out, and unless I see the blood of a lamb. So God allowed a substitute lamb so the firstborn son in the Jewish family could be saved that night. But you still had to have a lamb, So the son is spared, but the lamb is sacrificed. The son's going to be fine, but the lamb is going to be sacrificed, and it's blood put on the doorposts. So now Jesus is entering in, because it's so beautiful, from Abraham to the time of Jesus, 2,000 years, and from the time that God had instituted um, Passover, you know, it had been about 1,500 years, thousands and thousands of lambs. But now, Jesus is the Lamb of God because the blood of animals couldn't really pay for sins. They could atone for them. They could cover over them, but they didn't really pay for them. It would take a living human sacrifice to literally pay for the sins of all humanity, and it had to be a spotless lamb, a lamb without spot or wrinkle or blemish or anything. And there was only one in all of human history, and that was Jesus of Nazareth. How many of you are thankful for the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world? So Jesus, knowing that, that's why he was shaking. Uh, He was distressed to the limits, the full limits of human capacity, sweating, as it were, great drops of blood. And then... The last few hours after the Garden of Gethsemane, finally at the end of it, he says, okay, guys, wake up. He goes, I'm ready. He had already purposed and determined. And here's what I really believe. When he prayed three times, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass. In the Old Testament, a cup would often represent the judgment of God, you know, the wrath of God. And so he's he's saying, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass. He did not want to bear the weight of sin. And here's how I translate that. He was saying to his father, Father, if there is any other way for man to be saved than this, let it come now. And he prayed it three times. And each time he said, but not my will, but thy will be done. The fact that Jesus did go to the cross and his body broken and bloodshed is three times proof there's no other way. Had there been another way, the Father would have provided it. Jesus would have found it. But there was no other way for man to be saved except through the cross. And then Jesus said, he was determined. He goes, okay, if that's the only way, then let us go. Immediately after that, what's happened from last night after the Garden of Gethsemane, the last few hours going into into this morning have been a blur. The early, you know, into the late night, early morning hours, he has suffered beatings this morning, mockings, whippings, with leather uh, tongs that are tipped with balls of metal and shards of bone, literally, you know, the 39 lashes. So there are these long leather straps, there's a leather ball at the end, embedded with sharp bone or metal or whatever. So, and they're, you know, it's called the cat of nine tails. So there's nine of these things and it's very heavy and you take it and you throw it so that it lands and those nine things stick on different pieces of your flesh and embed themselves. And then with all their might, they pull and yank it away. Well, you know what then happens. His flesh is flayed off of his body. Jesus' skin has been flayed off just in the last few hours, blood dripping from his head as they beat into him a crown of thorns, mocking him. Oh, this is their king. Well, let's give him a crown. Give him a crown worthy of the Jewish people. They gave him a crown of thorns. He has also suffered the humiliation of a variety of illegal, according to Jewish law, Mock trials, I don't know if you knew this, but according to Jewish law, you're not allowed to be tried at night. That represents darkness. Something bad may happen. You have to have trials in the day. You have to have two or more witnesses to confirm. But they went ahead and had those illegal trials anyway. He's gone before Annas, Caiaphas, the Sanhedrin. And then when they were done with him, they delivered him to the Roman trials before Pontius Pilate, then Herod, and then Pilate again. And the Gospels, from four different angles, basically tell us this pilot character, who knew intuitively Jesus was innocent, finally bent to the will of the crowd and said, well, he got a little bowl, put his hands, he goes, I wash my hands of the whole matter. I don't find anything. But you guys do, so you take him and you crucify him. And he sent Jesus to the cross. Finally, in the Gospel of John, and if you have your Bibles, let's go there and we'll Finished just before we take communion, but in John chapter 19, beginning in verse 17, it says, and he bearing his cross, so they made him carry the, the cross beam. After he's been beaten, he can barely walk, and he went out to the place called the place of the skull, which is called in Hebrew Golgotha, where they crucified him and two others with him, one on either side, and Jesus in the middle. I mean, this is the classic. Story Two on either side, Jesus in the middle. Now, Pilate wrote a title, and he put it on the cross. And the writing was, Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. Then many of the Jews read this title, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city. And so, they wrote it in three languages, Hebrew, Greek, and Latin. Therefore, the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, Do not write the king of the Jews, but he said... I am the king of the Jews. Pilate answered, what I have written, I have written. And again, God was using Pilate because what he wrote above him was the truth. He is not only the king of the Jews, but he is king of kings and lord of lords of all. And then the soldiers, when they had crucified, Jesus took his garments and made four parts to each soldier a part and also the tunic. And now the tunic was without seam, woven from top in one piece The only thing Jesus apparently owned was this tunic that was made, and it was made in a very special way, that there was no seam. Usually you have a seam on this side, a seam on that side, put the pieces together. This was woven whole. So the only thing he owned was what covered his body, and it was symbolic of his character. There's no seams. He is whole and complete as the Son of God. And they said, therefore, among themselves, hey, this is worth something. Let's not tear it, cast lots for it. Whose it shall be that the scripture might be fulfilled. So the Romans are playing a game and they they go, hey, let's throw dice for it. And they did not realize they were fulfilling another ancient Hebrew prophecy. They divided my garments among them and for my clothing they cast lots. Therefore, the soldiers did these things. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother, and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Cleopas, or uh, Clopas and Mary Magdalene. And when Jesus, therefore, saw his mother. Can you imagine that day? The mother, she was a young girl, we think maybe even in her teen years. And the angel that came to her and said, Mary, you have been chosen by God, highly favored, greatly beloved. Your son will be the savior. He will be the Messiah. The angel told her that, and then now here she is. And this one that she knew her whole life, being crucified in front of her, I can't even imagine what it was like for a mother. But here's Jesus being flayed and crucified. Who's he thinking of? He's thinking of my mom. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing by, that was John, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. He took care of his mom. And then he said to that disciple, behold, your mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her into his home. And after this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. And a vessel full of sour wine was sitting there, and they filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on hyssop, and put it to his mouth. So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. Now, I want to close with this this thought. Literally, Jesus is the temple of God in whom dwells the eternal, endless, omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent Glory of God, the glory of eternity, the glory of heaven, the glory of the Father dwelt in him bodily. And interestingly, in the very moment when he cried, it is finished. I did your will, Father. I died for them. I saved them, redeemed them. All who believe in me shall be forgiven and shall have everlasting life and they shall be your sons and daughters for all time and eternity." The very moment that he gave up his spirit to the Father, the veil in the temple nearby, the the, the holy veil that separated the holy place from the holy of holies, it says it was torn from top to bottom. The veil in the temple, the very moment Jesus died, was torn. It was symbolic that Jesus was the holy of holies, the spirit and the glory of God was in him. As his body was torn, the glory of God was manifest. So I want to leave you with this thought. It is because of the cross and because of what Jesus did for us some 2,000 years ago on Good Friday, the tearing of his flesh. Is the glory of God that's how the glory of the Spirit the glory of the kingdom the glory of his love and joy and peace the glory of his spirit the glory of his presence is now eternally released through the tearing of his flesh the cross is the revelation of the glory of God can I hear an amen Amen. the cross is the revelation of the eternal glory of God. Would you all bow your heads and close your eyes? We're gonna get ready now to have communion. We get to be his disciples sitting along with Peter, James, and John, and Mary, and Martha, and all the rest. We are having that portion of a Passover meal. The two special elements of it are the eating of this broken bread and the drinking of this cup of wine that is speaking of his blood that is shed for you and me. Now, we have an open communion, and that is that, um, by the way, those who are at home, get the elements, some bread, get some juice, something that you, we can partake together right now. And we have an open communion. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you're more than welcome to celebrate, to remember, wow, what he has just done for us. But if you are not a believer, or you need to recommit your life to Jesus Christ, I'm going to give you an opportunity right now to ask Christ to come inside of you. This is salvation. The reason that Jesus came and lived and showed us the way, the truth, and the life, and then he died, as I've just been sharing from Scripture, in your place, paying for all of your sins, and then on the third day, he rose from the dead. And he says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and will open the door, I will come in. That is salvation. It's a gift. Now, it's not uh, for you and me. Salvation is free because we can never earn it or be good enough for it. But it is not cheap. It's very costly. In fact, it, it is The most valuable gift in all of the universe because it cost the life of the Son of God. Because he is God and because he was holy and pure, even as the lamb, death couldn't hold on to him. But he did die and he did taste death for all of us. And then he was able to cry, it is finished. Sins paid for. Now they can be forgiven. But what a gentleman, he stands at the door of your heart and he knocks and he says, if you'll open the door, I'll come in. You have to invite Jesus to come inside of you. So I'm going to ask, do you want Jesus of Nazareth, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords in your heart? And if the answer is yes, then you have to ask and invite him in. You say, boy, am I ready this year to do that? Or maybe to come home to him if you've been away from him. So I'm going to give us an opportunity to pray. We can all, everyone who knows the Lord can pray with me. Uh, The word, the prayer of salvation, it's not you get saved every time. It's kind of remembering and rehearsing the beauty of the salvation that you now by faith possess. It's like the remembering of the vows of a wedding. They become more meaningful and more precious as time goes on. So if you will say this prayer with me right here, right now, then I wanna say to you that you are more than welcome to join us today as your first believer's communion. Immediately you can be given salvation, forgiveness of sin, eternal life. And he said, my spirit will dwell in you. I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. You were never created or intended to live alone in your own head, by yourself, in your own strength and power. You were designed to be one with God, but you have to choose it and you have to ask for it. So that's what we're going to do. So if you're willing, pray with me out loud after this manner. Dear Lord, I admit that I am a sinner and I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying on the cross in my place. I open the door of my heart. And I ask you to come into my life. To be my personal Lord and Savior. Please fill me with your Holy Spirit. I receive the gift of eternal life. Now help me follow you, Jesus, all the way to heaven until I see you face to face. In Jesus' name.